Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bench Units being recorded at 9 a.m. on a Monday because apparently we think this is our real job and we're just showing up to work now. Speaking of real jobs, I definitely shouldn't be doing this at 9 a.m. on a Monday. But I'm here with James and we have got a guest, which I believe James has written a short introduction for. Okay, so this is a guest who has been with us before. When the when he was here the last time, we described him as the man who needed no introduction, but we did it anyway. <laughs> so I present to you the man that still needs no introduction, but we're going to do it again. Um, Lisa wasn't a Mona until he came along. The man who can take any straight piece of metal and twist it into a functional paperclip. The only man who knows he can pull off the short sleeve button-up shirt. The only man who, in a world where everyone is a Zoom quiz master, has written two quiz rounds on fruit and veg. The only phone number that's still in the yellow pages. Not only is he the only person to convert a seven-point play, but he did it twice in one game. The man who goes through life like scissors through wrapping paper when it does that thing. The only person who knows what a marrow is. The only person to ever get what they actually ordered when talking into one of those machines in a drive through The man whose granny invented the apple. The man who will one day reinvent the apple. His name literally translates into German as wow. What a nice man. <laughs> uh, the guy who's never not been able to find a parking space. The man with the degree that I still believe qualifies him to create space pirates. And the undisputed king of our hearts, Tom Smith. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much. Very, very kind. Well, I, very I well can't read. believe you got through that. <laughs> It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I think it, um, if it helps, Tom, I think that's the most prep we've ever put into any podcast ever. We kicked around for about an hour yesterday thinking of funny stuff to throw into that list. So, oh, it was brilliant and I really appreciate it. It was really good. Thanks, man. Well, like, well, welcome aboard. Like, I'll like fawn over Tom and people will be like, what, like, what, what's this about? Like, I've met him and he's nice. Like, what, what's. And I, I'm going to like read that next time. <laughs> that was like 60, 70% mark, I think. It, I had a lot of time. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of time. Right. Um, let's get straight to it then. Um, following whatever the hell that was, because I feel like people are going to, if people haven't tuned in through that long intro and James trying not to laugh, then we've got some real dedicated listeners right here. So... Tom, first things first, um, we spoke to you probably getting on a year ago now um, when you were just leaving or you just finished your season, sorry, with Malaga. Yep. We've we've obviously caught up with you kind of however many times in between, uh, including the aforementioned fruit and veg quizzes. Um, but you have just finished your season off with or finished your German league season off with your new team in Raden. So do you want to give us a quick rundown of kind of how the season's been, what Germany's like, anything you can think of that's worth starting the podcast with? Well, unfortunately, in these sort of times, we have to start the podcast with the, the good old COVID-19 pandemic because it's kind of everywhere yeah. still. Um, especially starting off when I left from England in August to go to Raden. Sure. So yeah, so that, that all started off with uh, four weeks turning into 10 weeks pre-season. Well, it was wow. not a bad thing. Uh, games only started in November. We was all ready to go first couple of games. We've had, been training together for so long. <laughs> <laughs> the longest period of training I've ever done without actually having a game in between. 
Yeah, that is long. That's about the length of an off season. You like? Did you if do you're... like a full preseason, like of ten? Like, were you just like pushing laps for ten weeks, or did you <laughs> just start just normal training? I'd hate that. Yeah, just towing every the whole team around the court a couple of times just to get a bit of cardio in. Yeah, so <laughs> it was good. It's like different. I mean, I'm not a lot of player like that. Uh, so look, Rahm's a little village in Germany. Cool. Quite a couple of supermarkets. When really nice apartments in the middle of town. I can't complain. It's actually a really nice place. I like it. Gives you a chance to concentrate on your basketball. Um, I've really enjoyed the league. Again, it's been different. Some teams have played. Some teams haven't played. Some weekends have been surprisingly off due to someone maybe get tested positive for COVID-19 or maybe didn't test positive but said they did to get a free weekend. You, 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 you never know. You, you never know. You never know what's going on. That's fired. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've been competing. The team as a new team come together. Like most like me and Pete Kusak come in this year to add a bit of strength to the team and we finished third. Nearly taking a couple of games off some of the best teams in the world. So I'm I'm happy with the way the season's gone. I've progressed quite well. I've had a little bit more freedom compared to what I had last year in Malaga and I feel like I've improved. Happy days, man. So yeah, I think you guys, you're third in the league behind Thuringen and Landil, right? Yes. Uh, you almost took a regular season game off Thuringen, uh, and that was the game where you, the referees were slightly um, questionable. Let's let's leave it at that. Um, so you you got fouled out mid third quarter of that game, from what I, I remember did. watching. But I think I did, I did. there's a case I with mid. I think it was 21 minutes or something. Was <laughs> Um, there's a case to be made that had you fouled out earlier, you might have won that. No, had you um, stayed in the game, you would have won that game. Um, and you guys have just had a back-to-back with Thuringen in the playoffs. Uh, I've watched both those games, but I've not caught up with you since. So what was that like? Because I was kind of under the impression that Thuringen might be taking a drop off this year with a couple of guys leaving, but it looks like that very much hasn't been the case. No, I think the only difference that's happened to them is it's been able to focus more on a couple, on one, they're, they're, better, they're, better, they're better players at least. When last last year they had so many, there's only so much of the ball can go around. This year the ball's kind of fallen into one or two man's hands, so they've been able to do more damage. Two very strange, two very different games actually. The playoff games. The first game we was in or about it for a long, long time. I think we ended up losing by eight points, so it was actually quite a close game. But the game never really got going. Like we shot well, they shot a little bit. It didn't really move. And I think he don't. He didn't. I don't think. The, our coach subbed enough. We didn't rotate enough, I don't think. I think if we rotate a bit more, we'll take a little bit more off their, their defence, off a little bit more offensive tact. But it's OK. And in the last game, Alex Haluski decided to turn up and to score 41 points. So even though even though our defence was set up to stop that man from shooting and they tried really, really hard, he just every time he got the ball, he just went in. So yeah. he's just one of those players. Yeah. He yeah. can do that. I think there's a certain quality of player that they're like, I've heard someone describe it as like undeniability where it's, if you're physically gifted in a certain way or you're highly skilled in a certain way, or you're just a straight up great shooter in a certain way. It's like, there's going to be games that it doesn't matter what you scheme for or how hard you play defense and whatever you can like load up on them to try and get the ball out of their hands. But especially the size of him, he can kind of just go over people. Like I, every time Holy Skate comes up, I remember the fact that, First game I ever played against him, I played the German team in Belgium and he had 
I remember it came off the floor and someone was like, gun to your head, how many points did Tulisky just have in 40 minutes? I would have been like, 22? 34. He did the quietest <laughs> 34 I'd ever seen because it was just like, cut to like, down the middle of the key, maybe 10 feet up. That was just like yeah. money. Like cut through the elbow, didn't actually get all the way to the hoop, just post up money yeah he does that he does that a lot uh baseline so he'll baseline even any of the bigs he'll baseline and then it'll just fade very slightly fade because he's so big it's a slight fade for him is easy and that that's his shot yeah but, because he played on his feet for so long like he's not bothered yeah. by a hand in his face compared to someone jumping after you but you can contest with him if you're big enough but we play a smaller lineup that's faster like a mids lineup to transport we can get in there and yeah. if that doesn't work then he will just he can post up any of our three three and a half you just yeah. can yeah is it sure was this your this season? Was it the first time you played against him, or have you run into him before? Uh, we went we when I was back at in in GB for we did the centralized. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We went across and we played them. I played them then, but I think he's definitely got better since then. Sure. I think since now he's had more of the ball himself. I think he's a lot better now than he was. One of my um. One of my first Euro Cups was in Thuringen and it was when Haluski had just started out. I think it must have been his first season. And it was kind of like James said, he was able-bodied player who'd been put in a chair to the point where if he was like anywhere inside the three-point line, he would, he'd like do two chair fakes, try and get past you. You stopped him and he'd be like, well, this is fine. Just chuck me the ball here and I'll shoot it. It's absolute. Like, and that was when he was raw as anything, but I think he still dropped. I'd, shudder to think how much he drops on us in that one game and he was brand new so yeah he um he looks pretty lethal but i think their their whole team is just kind of well set up and like you say they've lost a couple of guys but they've kind of maximized who is there uh so what do you see happening between them and landil because that's the german finals right yeah i can't i don't think that you're going to come close to landil personally i'm going to play them enough times this season um Turgan have weaknesses that can be exploited, but you have to exploit them at the right time. And it, they have one really good shooter, really, and then all the other their workers to go inside. And when you go to Lundell, they've got three good shooters. Like, we're talking world-class shooters, and then a big to follow. Yeah. So I think when it comes to defence, I think Lundell have got the advantage. I think they're just a bit quicker, a bit quicker, okay. a bit more nimble. Um, but again, it's whatever if Haluski gets firing off, but then if Bumta gets firing off, it's, it's, it's just a really good game. Yeah. But I think Lion Deal's line defense that they run now, their first quarter line defense from your free, your free point line, the press is just so difficult to break. Cause even if you do break it and you tit for tat, they, they, they just sub off five players and bring another <laughs> five players on like world-class players. And you're like, okay, so we've got to play the same five again. And that's where they get you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and they're kind of they're they're all smart enough that like if you manage to break it, they'll figure it out. They'll be like, all right, we've got two people present in the halfway line. We're going to keep three up. We'll figure it out. We'll talk. We'll communicate any sort of cross picks and mm. whatever. Like we'll just we'll, they're 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 real good at that. We have to play them on Friday, which will be yeah. Be all I can the advice I give you is just try and attack the one as much as you can. I mean, they do so well to help them. They help on they help him so much. They're always like there or thereabouts, but you have to exploit that weakness because he is, yeah. he's slow. You just yeah. got to take it. That's international basketball. Like at the end of the day, you got to find your weak points and just keep going at it. Like some, some people are like have different 
sort of perspectives on this, but I'm very much like, if you find something that works, like keep going to the well till it's dry. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm 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 an exaggerator when it comes to basketball, but like if I if I'm on court and I figure out something that works, I'm like, hey, let's do this fifty times in a row. Like I don't care. I once heard it described as picking at the scab, which sounds like the, <laughs> the worst thing in the entire world, but it's kind of accurate. Yeah. Um, so just there, Tom, we've kind of covered the um, the big dogs of the German league. Is there, cause obviously this your first season and you knew about Haluski and kind of the Landil um, roster up and down as you got there. Is there anyone you've run into in the German league who's really surprised you that was someone you just had no idea how good this guy was? It's a shame, really, because I would like to say Nico, um, Nico Drymuller, but I played him last year when he was at uh, Albacete. Okay, fair enough. Because I've, I mean, he's a he's a two one five or two. I'm weird, but sure, I think he, he is. Yeah, he carries the Frankfurt team really, really well. He's a really okay. actually he's a real good humble player. I like him very much. I like our paths across again one day. He's, yeah, he's good. So definitely watch out for him at some point because he's young still. So very good. I like him. He was great for Albacete last year against us. The one game that I ended up playing against Albacete last year, he shot like 66%. Like we were in a game and like obviously Gaz kind of was the one that took it away from us near the end. But like Nico just didn't, because in that like playing big teams like that, you kind of have to give them something. And he was playing as their one, which is nuts yep. as well. And we were like, okay, we'll have to figure this out. And he just didn't miss. It's like, all oh, right. And that's a that's a hell of a step up from him playing on a one as a lo- playing as a one on a loaded team like Albacete to then you know ramping back up to playing as a two and like you say Tom carrying a, a team on his own is yeah. there's not many lows who could make that adjustment ever. No, no so yeah, he was very good. Um, I never I didn't manage to play against Trier. I wanted to play against Passavant. I never played against Passavant in my career. Oh, really? I'm looking forward to that. That didn't happen due to COVID. Um, well, Nico wants games or no? Just too late. Sorry, is it too late to replay those games? Like they're just yeah, we tried. Enough. I mean, the earlier game got cancelled because it was too late in the Christmas break, and then by end of February, the second game, they had no money left because there's a lot of sponsorships, sponsorships giving up and not paying some teams, and they just couldn't afford it. So I get it. It, it, it happened. It can happen. Yeah, that's one of, those, one of those sports. That's a shame, man. Huh? Right. Um, so we bounced around a bit. Let's chat about your team. You um, mentioned that you and Pete Cusack are new in this year. Um, how would you describe kind of your your group of guys that you, because I assume you've played with a couple of the English guys before, right? But I think you were new to basically everybody else. So- yes. So basically the veterans of the team. So got Bandura, a Polish veteran, been around for a long time, good shooter. Uh, then Mustafa Korkmaz is captain of the, the Dutch team. Again, very good ball handler. So coming into them was very different because I'd never been... I mean, play with a static shooter, you play with a static shooter, but we only use Bandy as a static shooter, but he's so much more than that. Yeah. So when, when people kind of does that for like three games and you kind of forget and all of a sudden he will just have like five minutes of mayhem where he yeah. just goes off and does something like, oh, okay, yeah, I forget that he, he's that good. So, And then playing with Mustafa... I mean, playing with a three-point man that's on the ball is fine, but playing with someone so small, I've never actually played with someone that nimble and, and that small. So I'm, I'm a big, so it didn't make too much difference because I'd shoot over him anyway. But you can kind of lose him a little bit at times. 
and he's like, oh, he's under the basket. <laughs> yeah. Sounds a little bit discriminatory against small people, but I'm not. I'm just saying that he's very nimble and he's a very good player. He's so quick. Like, as those, like, little spin moves he does where he'll, like, drive right, spin all the way and go right again. You're just like, wow, I knew that was coming, but... And the other thing I found, like, for him, yeah, there's no cool. right picking well or picking badly. You just you set a pick and he'll go whatever the way that he finds is best for him. <laughs> You're like, okay, it makes my job a little bit easier. That's awesome. But, yeah, but there's also a couple of younger players in the team. So Jake Robinson yeah, and yeah. I've got Pete Cusack and I've got Callum. So they're all British boys that I played with before. Again, they're all really young. Yeah. Uh, there's another Polish kid, Chris, plays with us. Um, Kozarina is taller than me, lanky, but he's a good he's a good shot. Prodigy's coming through. I mean, I would I've been teaching him all season just to try to be more of a centre. Yeah. He's got that Polish, that Polish mentality of if you're a four, four, five, you have to be on the ball. Yeah, and it's just it. He doesn't. I've been trying to get it into his head, but uh, unsuccessfully, unfortunately. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. uh, on the national team, like, like okay, yeah, yeah, him. yeah. No, it's Long. good. Poland must have just like a factory somewhere where they just print out like three D print. 4.5s who want to be ball handlers and outside yeah. shooters. Every- like all the, the three fives to four fives or ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Not one the- fives, unfortunately. Like yeah. if they had more ones, they'd be they'd be great. But that's true. Yeah, they need a need a separate assembly line to get them some mids or something. Yeah. Um fire up the three point machine again. <laughs> um dust it so off. The other kid who plays for you guys, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but you've got a young Dutch mid who I... Quinton. That's the one. Quinton, yeah. Yeah, Quinton uh, Zantanagi, yeah. So, it, well, he's been around the circuit for nearly longer than me and he's only like 23, I think, yeah. or 22. Yeah, um, yeah he, he's very good on the ball. Uh, he's actually quite experienced for a young kid. So, I like, I like playing with him a lot. Um, he's, de- he's decent shooter, he's a good worker. Hmm. And all the boys here actually get their head down. It's a really good mix of older and younger generation. So, it works quite well, um, but all the young kids just we want to push as fast as we can. And I say younger myself, I'm 29 and 30 this summer, but mentally wise, you don't look it. Thank you. Mentally <laughs> wise, I just still want to play the new game instead of playing the old game. That's get down, set up, move. Yeah, I just want to push it down as quickly as I can. Yeah. It, it works. Yeah, I, ima- I imagine your scrimmages are all the young guys flying around, and then Bandora being like, "Hey, get back here." <laughs> Like, it's exactly so. Uh, Carl was my my housemate. He's the, the one on our team, Swedish. Right. Um, yeah, basically he's just working with me or Bandura all the time. Yeah, but for Bandura, he sits on a pick, and for me, just we would both just push as hard as we can down one side and just break defense. So I'm like, yeah, it's cool. That works. So you're you're like his cardio part of the, <laughs> the equation. Yeah. Um, and apart, then, apart from that, we've got I'll say two Germans. They're not. Like one's a Bosnian, one's Serbian, but they are. German nationals now. Nationals, okay. Elvis, Elvis, Fukic, uh, our three-point shooter man. Uh, honestly, that's his name. <laughs> oh, we said we weren't going to edit stuff out. No, that's the cool. <laughs> and then and Tadic, there's a two-point man. So yeah, it, it's quite funny that we don't actually have a single German on the team. It sounds like James's team almost. Yeah. We don't have any Germans either. You're correct. <laughs> no, we've got that. I mean, to be fair, everyone here lives within like an eight-hour drive of their house. Everyone. Oh right, okay. Even no. us, like I can get home in eight hours. The Polish boys yeah. can get home in eight hours. Like nearly everyone can get home in like between one and two, and then 
So it's not too bad. Teams are missing a trick there. Just plonk your team right in the middle of Europe and just be convenient for everybody. And there you go. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like a couple of a couple of Dutch guys that just travel to their home games. No, and it's like that. Oh, is cool. it? That's that, weird. That, that must be cool. Um, yeah, it must be handy because it's not that long. Like Amsterdam to a couple of places in France are five hours. It's a couple. Oh, to yeah. us, it's a couple of hours. I mean, for you and travel from the Netherlands to Hamburg, it's about three and a half. There's yeah. nothing's too extenuous. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That's cool. Cool um, team building idea. And your your coach is um, Russian, right? Yeah, yeah, Joseph. Yeah. Oh, good old what's, Joseph. What's he like? He's he's he has good qualities and bad qualities as all coaches. Um, he does he does, he is good. Where if you need anything, he's always there. So that's always a good thing. He's he's very he's, he's straight up with you. So he tells you what he thinks and how to do it and how not to do it, and that's okay. He has this bad thing that he, he want he asks you for your opinion, but he doesn't actually want it. <laughs> it's taken me a long while to get it. So he goes, oh, yeah, it's his discussion. Then you give him a point and it's complete. goes in one ear, out the other, and continues to talk about something completely different. So, like, <laughs> as long as you get used to it, it's all right. But um, he has good ideas. He does. Fair enough. Yeah, like, I think. I think he's just honest. stuck in the old ways a little bit. And yeah. I think it hurts us. Fair enough. Okay. So, but, no, I mean, I would recommend anyone to train under him because he's taught, he's taught me a lot. Cool. I've... um. I don't think I've ever actually spoken to him. My only experience of him as a coach is my very first EuroLeague I ever went to when I was about 15. We ended up playing Nevsky, the Russian team who wear the fluorescent orange. I don't know if you've come across them. Um, yeah. Um, but he was there. We didn't realize until we got there, he was their coach. And he'd been Colin Price's coach in yes. in Zvikov. Um wow. And it, we got to like minute one of the game and Colin caught the ball on the left wing as he does. And the whole defense shifted and did like four mutations. And we had to call, call the timeout. We're like, what's going on here? Ran a couple of different options, got them shut down. And we're like, oh, this guy literally has written the how to defend Colin Price handbook. Because it, it was like the, it was like a tiny, you could have videoed it and made a clinic out of it. Cause he was obviously, if nothing else had come out of the whole tournament for that team, he was determined that he was just going to show off this in one game. <laughs> he yeah. was like, Hey, th this guy's not catching the ball. And if he does, we have 17 backup plans to route him various different ways. So that was, that was cool. I was impressed with him from that point onwards because it was dedication to the cause. Yeah. He's well studied. I will give him that. He's, yeah. he's definitely a coach as well studied. Like we've been prepping to play. Uh, we play Turiga Bulls first game and our second game at Euro Cup is going to be either Bilbao or Albacete. We've been practicing both, defending both those teams. It's hard to defend against Bilbao at the moment because we don't know what lineups they're going to run because they're going to have the junior discount yep. point either. So, I James, you could have done with that. Uh, that would have been hard. Although, to be fair, the lineup that they played against us a couple of weeks ago, Jordi Ruiz didn't show up because of I don't know why. So they actually played like a lineup that I think is fine. Wait, no, it's still not. Um, I think what they'll probably go is Hasso, Asier, um, John, Jordi, Yannick, which is still pretty good. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty sweet, Phil. Um, wait, did I... I think, what you, I think what you said might have been over, but 
that's over. Sorry, I, I misspoke. Um, I guess we'll figure it. So yeah. anyway, anyway, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Um, I don't think he realizes how fast they are. I think he looks at Bill Bang. Our coach looks at Bill Bang as I see him as always slow. But for yes, that Hasso is not the slowest big. John's one of the fastest bigs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And Yannick isn't exactly slow either. Yeah, I think um, everyone does that with Bill Bow, though, because I think even going back to that EuroLeague where we played them a couple of years ago, I think we had kind of the same thing where we're like, hey, we'll just jump on Asier early and stop his chair. And then it's like, oh, these four guys can actually tear up a defense. <laughs> Um, and yeah, you see more teams now are trying to like not jump him as long as they can hold out and just close off as much of the inside as possible because especially that four big lineup, it's just like jump, layup, jump, layup. Yeah, because like there's no other teams, obviously, a lot of standard how to play wheelchair basketball 101 is like wing pick and roll one side, help comes spot up this way, help comes from the four spot over to the middle, spot up in the wing. But it's like one help comes over and three guys cut straight yeah. away, and it's like it works. Like they beat the they beat the brakes off us a couple of weeks ago because we just couldn't stop them getting inside, and they run that they run that horns action. Um, that will just go. Asier will try and come off it to one side or the other, and then you've got to help off Yannick, who is on the far baseline from where he wants to come off. If you send him right, Yana, he's coming off towards Yannick, who's obviously unbelievable at picking and sailing and curling and doing all these yep. things. And if you come off it the other way, that's the guy you want to help off. And he's on Hasso's side. So it's like... Yeah. I, I, think, I think there's an argument Bilbao might be the best constructed team this year. I think teams like Landil have an advantage in talent like you were talking about Tom with their, yeah. their kind of 10 man depth but I think Bilbao might be the best team this year in terms of fitting players into what they want to do and like you said about um, John Hernandez he just seems to have become the kind of Swiss army knife for them where they kind of run their stuff and then it's like oh this this hasn't panned out oh don't worry John's got a cut and a kind of three foot post up on most possessions where we don't get anything yeah they've, they've actually got to get a player that does exactly what they want to do. They want someone to be quick to get in the key to give people shots, and that's what he does. He does well. He pushes the floor. He terrorizes people. I mean, yeah. he's not the best player in the world, but he's just enough that you have to watch him all the time. Yeah. He's a, you have to defend him, and any player that you have to defend all the time is always going to cause problems. I figured out where I misspoke. They're going to go probably Jordy for John in that bigs lineup, so it'll be. Uh, so Manu, Asier, Jordi, Yannick—that's that's okay. That makes yeah. sense. Well, that that's, that's to me that's more defendable. Yeah, it's a little smaller. The one thing is like they play in the league. Obviously, they play that lineup with the two two fives, and it's like okay, yeah. so they're not as big now. But like if Jordi Ruiz and David Marie's hit shots, you're all that's the thing in it. Both of them can go off when they want to. It's not in much, but again, it's just champ. We're talking about champs cup here. Champions so. cup, yeah. Like it's every the team, ability thing of like if a good team plays well, you might yeah. lose. Like, <laughs> yeah, we we kind of went um, went over this when we had Mendel on the other week, and you guys had James had got the win against Albacete and then lost to Bilbao the next week, and it's like that. I think more than anything, the fact that that's happening in Spain is impressive because it's the most loaded league anyway. 
But I think wheelchair basketball kind of Europe wide at the moment has just reached the point where there was a certain element of being able to just talent your way through against weaker teams up till probably a year or two ago. And now it's reaching the point where it's like, you have to show up even, even if you think you have a paper advantage over the other team, you like teams are deep enough and good enough now that you can't. Just oh, absolutely. Muscle your Spe- way through against yeah. Them. yeah. Especially in Spain. That's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing why I like I like playing there. I like watching those games because you just don't know. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's what like, you want to see when you watch a sport. You want to you want to watch a game any in any sport. You go right. I don't actually know who's going to win this. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like your team from last year, like Malaga this season, they were close to a Union last weekend. I remember we were away playing someone else. I don't remember who, but they were really close to beating Bilbao when we were all sitting around in the hotel lobby, watching it on an iPad, like freaking out. Like I was going <laughs> to flip the table at one point, and then they just <laughs> obviously quality kind of takes it away at that point in a close game a lot of times but like there's been like Burgos have been taking games off people here and yeah. nearly taking games off other people here like shout, they, out, that shout game out to in, Will Bonner yeah absolutely shout out to Big Will and, and, and <laughs> Flipsky that called her everything oh I've got one good, good thing for the for the podcast for you Go so on. I I was told the other day by my, my Polish compatriot Bandy that Fryer in Polish means loser <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that can't be true it is true because we didn't oh. ask him in that context oh that is perfect yep oh, so when he told us that and then Pete went you be serious but yeah why because he was calling it was calling Callum like loser or something yeah. he, and then they went that's what Lee's name is to play and then he's just literally just lost oh, it man. just thought it was the funniest thing ever that's... I love him to got the phone out and immediately got on the phone to Philipski and be like hey they can't like confirm or deny this <laughs> that's so good I mean, we, I feel like you've upstaged our thing of saying what your name meant in German I feel like we could have been like hey Tom's name is German for loser apparently Tom by um, the way we had like seven drafts of what to translate your name from and they varied from like WD40 to oh what a nice man to god what else I had one that one was, don't worry, I've got a spare one on my electric scooter. was <laughs> my personal high point, but I thought it was a bit of a mouthful. In um, the middle of reading that, I thought of like, is German for yellow shorts and blue t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that story, so I'm glad that got brought up. Uh, no one ever forgets about that story. They, oh, were, yeah. they were the days. Um, right, so we, we touched back for Spanish League a second ago. Um, this is something I wanted to ask you, Tom, um, just out of kind of my own curiosity. But you've obviously had a couple of stints in Spain with Malaga and then with James's um, ex-cons in Gran Canaria. Um, so this is your first year in Germany. So what would you say kind of is the differentiating factor between the leagues? Other than, Obviously, Spain's maybe a bit more stocked with depth in terms of team quality, but in terms of going and playing games and whatnot, what's the different feel of the Spanish and German leagues? Yeah, I do think uh, there's a couple of things I think what help Spain in, uh, I'm trying to be a bit PC about what I say here. Um, <laughs> Please do. Yeah, no, in, in the way that I think the the country, that intentionally just say the country itself, it's, it's, it's cheaper to live in Spain than it is, is in Germany or it is in most of the, the more Northern European countries anyway. Yeah. So things like uh, renting out halls or renting buses to, to trips and getting lunch on the way, it's all easier in Spain because you get the buses 
whatever, how many euros, and then you go and stop for lunch somewhere. It's like 10 euros a person. You get a full meal on the way, on the motorway. And it just makes your life so much easier. It's not that easy here. It's not the right. same sort of mentality. It's not the cafe mentality. There isn't coffee shops everywhere. You can stop, get a couple of sandwiches and crack on. It's not the same. Right. So from that side of things, it's a little more difficult to get to organise. I mean, right. um, things like coaches are just too expensive. The, the clubs can't all afford them. Only the big, big teams have got them or they've got the minibus like we have. Okay. Um, luckily, the trips are closer. So our longest trip is Munich and it's like eight hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, and everything else is like four. Um, okay. We're quite far away because we're quite far north. So that side okay. of it is nicer because you know, an away game is four, four and a half hours, not six to eight every weekend or James has to get a flight every 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 other weekend to play somewhere so it makes it easier then uh, the difference between the strongest and the weaker teams I'd say is exactly the same in Spain okay. but okay. the teams in the middle aren't are strong yeah that makes sense yeah like there's no real element of like where am I like, like sixth seventh in this league there's no or maybe lower eighth there's yes. no real element of the eighth place team being two points down to the league leader with three minutes to go and everyone turning it on, being like, what's going to happen? Is there? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's four teams. My, my Baskets 96 included us, Hanover, then London, two, they are the top four. So you, yeah. you can you normally look at it and go, yeah, probably that's going to be top. Hamburg haven't really shown much this season, but again, they can be quite strong. You can see that the league's coming along. Over the years, I've been watching it anyway. It's, there are more teams... Like Hanover for the last like four years with Joe coming up, Joe Bessie coming over, made them a bit stronger. So they started challenging. Now we've got us. We're starting to challenge and it'll be Hamburg next. And we'll just keep building a little slowly, slowly, slowly. Sure. I think um, the German league for a while had kind of the reputation of being the strongest, but I think it was a little bit false, possibly because Landil was so far ahead of everyone else in terms of kind of professionalism that they were like the figurehead for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it, the rest of the league was, wasn't anywhere close to being caught up to them. Um, and then obviously Thuringen haven't been around forever, but they've kind of ramped up really quickly. But I think also in Spain, Albacete have been a mainstay for long enough now that people forget Albacete have only been around for like six or seven years. They fit. Yeah, Albacete got promoted in 20... 2013. 12, 13. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. 13 that season. Yeah, so it's... It's bad. Like you say, the depth in Spain is is way more in terms of team quality, but I think Germany will get there. Um, and I think Germany is certainly, at this point, the second best domestic league in Europe because like, Italy's fallen properly by the wayside. Um, and France, I think, didn't start their season until February. I have no, no idea what they had to take a, like They took like a month break immediately, which was the right thing to do. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, I would, I wouldn't. From someone that never played in Germany, I'd never played Germany before. It was uh, like I don't know what I'm, what, what it's going to be like, but um, it hasn't been. It's just been good. It's been really good. That, the apartments are a lot good as well. I mean, they've looked after us. I mean, yeah, there's been a little bit of money trouble, but it, you got to expect a little bit in in these times. It's difficult yeah, yeah. because most of the teams are sponsor based. Well, the yeah, the big big teams are going to be fine because they've got mega sponsors. Like, like line deals usually turn over like a million million euros <laughs> so not all teams can compete with that yeah should land yourself there man it sounds like that'd be a sweet gig yeah. one thing 
think will be interesting next season for all teams is now that GB are launching this uh, professional women's league. So that could that could ruffle three teams. That yeah, that could be interesting. Sorry, did I freeze? Yeah, you you got in and out there, but I think we got got the gist. Yeah, that that GB women's league will the professional league. Obviously, I think it will have an impact on certainly teams that run units with a point and a half off for female players, but. I don't know. I think obviously, I don't know how that setup is run. Um, we're going to find out more about it and then get someone who knows more than us to speak about it on this podcast at some point. But yeah. um, I'd say there's probably some people that are set up enough that they might stick around in the teams they're in or in the leagues they're in until they see what's going on there. But also there'll be a lot of women that see that and think rightly so that it's a really, really cool opportunity that we'll jump over. So I'll be interested to see what, what happens because there might be some teams that can't run units anymore. Yeah, yeah that, it's exciting to get those changes every now and again. It's like a bit of a sh- not that it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's nice to get like a change that just impacts the entire sport, not just like one league or a different league. It's everyone's going to get hit at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of the great equalizer of the of the whole thing. That is right now, everybody has to rethink. Um, so my last question on the Spain versus Germany thing was going to be just in terms of what you've said, difference wise about the leagues there. If kind of, I don't know, say a young, let's, I probably don't have anyone to pick for this, but if a young kind of up and coming player came to you and was like, look, you've got experience, Tom, I've got offer from team X in Spain and from team Y in Germany. What do you think I should do? What's your kind of, what would you tell them to prioritize in terms of what you've just said about the leagues there? Well, I would probably, especially there, it wouldn't, it would be, who's playing there and what's your coach. Yeah. I mean, I think having a good coach is the most important thing from my experience playing sport. If you don't have yeah. a good coach, it doesn't matter what team you've got. I mean, talent is talent, but you still need direction. Yeah. I've been in bad teams with great coaches. I've been in great teams with bad coaches. So it, it works both, both ways. So yeah, I wouldn't say, yeah, go to Spain, it's better or go to Germany because it's better. It depends what you're looking for. If you're looking to learn, get a good coach, no matter what league you're in, there's be good games. In Germany, you play a few more weaker teams, so you can shine a little bit better. Bit better but then in Spain, you've got a lot more competition. That, again, you could revel in that. Sure. It does depend on your personality, what you prefer. Okay, fair enough. Cool. Always one for the sage wisdom. Um, last thing, I don't know how much you can speak about this. You mentioned kind of Hanover um, finishing the top four. They had something of a mid-season disruption which I think was covered on Rolt by Dylan, uh, possibly. Can you, obviously you're closer to the source than we are. Can you tell us anything about what happened there or is this off limits within? No, we haven't been told not to talk about it. Um, again, it's all, most of it's rumours until what come out. I and mean, we have got some more internal information than anything else. But I mean, the only thing that I heard was, and from what I know of Joe, he's, he's a ball handler, he's a very confident, confident player and... If he doesn't get you what he wants, he'll tell you. And I think that the rest of the, he told someone one too many times to do something they didn't want to do, and it's kind of kicked off. And then they said, like, Joe, just chill out, like they normally do, it's fine. And then the next day he went, no, this is what we're going to do in various different languages, in different ways, in different words. And they've gone, <laughs> okay. Sorry, mate, we've asked you. We're going to ask you to leave at the end of the league, at the end of the season, but they got rid of him early. It was definitely a discipline sort of thing. Like when you hear, we heard that he thought that it would come out of the blue, and then we heard from teammates like, "No." Yeah, it was in the pipeline. 
yeah, totalitarian completely. Like, my team do what I want to do. This is how we're going to win. But then I think he forgot that because he went there and the team got better, it wasn't just because of him that the team got better. The team got better around him. Sure, yeah. That's how I see it. I mean, he's not a bad guy. I like him, but you can see it happens in a lot of teams that cut up and come in that get one good player. The good one good player forgets that the other four are also getting better. Yeah, and forget. Yeah, that's interesting. It was. It. I think from obviously at least from my standpoint, and probably for James as well, being in Spain, it, that did certainly come out of the blue for us. Uh, I don't know what how the other German teams reacted to it. If you guys kind of. You know, people hear rumblings all the time. I don't know if you kind of knew that it was on the way or... Oh, or no, no. It was so. a shock to all of us. In the, right. the, what? Yeah, it was a shock. We didn't know it was coming at all. But apparently in the team itself, it's right. something okay. that's been building. Crazy times, man. I think it's the, it's one of the first instances I've ever heard of a wheelchair basketball team kind of just outing somebody mid-season to that extent. Anyway, I think you you hear it a bit more with kind of maybe bench guys or guys who aren't getting the minutes um, who kind of just get let go because it's easier than the headaches that come with trying to accommodate everybody. But Joe was very much, like you say, kind of option 1A and 1B and onwards for that team. And it's it's a, a big move for them to to have done that for sure. I think it sends a good, personally, I think it sends a good message. I, I think it does. that The game has got to a point now where it, if if someone does misbehave to an extent where the team doesn't want anymore, they can just go, we'll be absolutely fine without you. We'll get someone else next season. That's how it isn't like the season battle for season to for survival anymore. They can go, yeah, we can survive three months without our top player and then see if we get someone else and we'll build next season. That's the, that's where people are at the moment in the sport. And it, I think it's good to see, not good to get rid of someone like Joe, but it's good to see that you can't do whatever you want and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah consequences. Sure. And don't forget, Hanover went to beat Turrigan after they got rid of him. So, yeah, I saw that. I, I didn't watch that game. I just saw the um, saw the headline, the result. I have no idea what happened there, but I will have to go back and watch that at some point because that sounds like yeah. absolutely... They've got good players. I mean, never, never, oh, they haven't got jo- No, Hanover got good players. Right, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched any of that. I don't think I've watched them apart from maybe one time where they played you guys where Joe was obviously still, um, still with them. Um, but yeah, there's a thing... There's a thing from a, an NBA podcast that a guy called Bill Simmons calls the Ewing theory, which seems like the kind of thing James might be able to explain better than me because he's good at this stuff. <laughs> um, so Patrick Ewing, New York Knicks center uh, in the 90s. And I don't remember why he left the team or whatever, but, uh, or they like, basically he was their best player and, as soon as they played without him, they played way better. Is that the crux yeah, of the theory, basically? And whether it's a personality thing or whether it's just all the other guys are like, right, this guy's out, we've got to step it up, or maybe the ball's going to move better. Like you see it in, like, I don't know, like San Antonio Spurs bench units, bench units, um, yeah. with a, uh, I'm going to like <laughs> applause in there uh, for like three minutes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, where it's just like you don't have that number one guy anymore, so kind of there's there's no like magnetism on the ball for that like towards that guy anymore. So the ball just moves freely and some stuff like that. Maybe people are relaxed because they're not playing with a star guy and they're not worried about messing things up. But just basically 
star player gets removed, everyone steps up 10%. And also, I think on the other side of that, you have the other teams that go, oh, they've lost their best player. What do we do? Because people don't, don't prepare for games without star players, defensive, defensively. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Sorry, did you catch that? Did I break yeah, up? no, you, you froze for a second, but it all, it all came back in in, in semi-fast forward. Yeah. Um, I think we've got through... All that stuff's been really good. We got through basically everything for kind of covering this year. Um, do you have any plans for next year that you would be willing to tell us about? Have you thought that far ahead? Are you even conscious of what's going on? Are you just living in the moment? No, I've, I've had a talk with my coach here. Um, we are, I'm definitely coming back home next year. Um, so I've been on the road for a while, but uh, we're coming home after Paralympics, uh, my girlfriend, April. Yeah, she's uh, she's got a, she's got a job. Oh, working. Uh, in, in, in her career, not professional therapy. So, we're coming home, we're moving to Swindon. Niche. Yeah, I know, but she's got the jo- her dream job, so we're gonna do at least twelve months there. Awesome. And it'd be oh, quite nice man. to not be on around the circuit for so long. I can just kind of get some roots somewhere. Still play good basketball. I mean, still got Sheffield about two hours, two and a half hours away. Yeah, a couple of good sure. teams around us, but there's a lot going on in the next season. As you probably do know, we've got Paralympics in, in end of August, September. Then we've got European Championships in December. And then we've got Commonwealth Games next summer and World. So there's a lot of tournaments bouncing around in the next 12 to 16 months. And yeah. I think being at home for it, being in England for it, is going to be a better option, personally. Okay, that makes complete sense. And that sounds like a chaotic run, I guess. Like you say, getting some getting some roots down during that time doesn't sound like the worst option in the world. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have to go, like especially all the Spanish boys, as James would know, you've got you finish this season, you go home to England, you've got a quarantine for 10 days and you're in straight away into GB all the way through the Paralympics. When that's done, you'll be out the other side, straight back into pre-season training for the next season. <laughs> and you've got to try and get GB camps in there somewhere, camps in somewhere to prepare for Europeans in December. So, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how logistically they're going to be able to mentally focus and get it all done. Yeah. It's sounds, like, don't fancy that. It sounds intense, man. The um, I imagine post-Paralympics and like you say, post-preseason and maybe first portion of the season schedule, the Europeans are going to feel like a pickup tournament or so. It's just going to be like guys, guys rocking up who haven't trained together for like months. Like, yeah, we'll just throw the ball out and see what happens. That's going to be chaos. Yeah, it's, that sounds be fun, lethal. Oh, yeah. But I guess in a way, that's the kind of... It's an element of the basketball lifestyle that you people live for, isn't it? Is the the kind of never stopping cram every possible gap with, you know, some element of basketball, be it international or league or whatever else. But, yeah, rather you guys than me anyway. Or rather, rather James than us, by the sounds of it, Tom. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll have to yeah. see. Um, I was talking to I was talking to Ben Fox about this, like the GB selection stuff, and we were like doing the maths, and it's like eighteen or nineteen or twenty doesn't go into twelve very easily. So yeah. uh, that'll be it's not our job to figure out, Tom. But I'm very glad it isn't. But we'll not we'll not litigate the team selection on a on a podcast, I guess. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll save that till after the selection. We'll then. wait for it to happen and then litigate <laughs> it violently. No, I'm joking. You just you just you just, you just have to plan accordingly you, you don't know what's going to happen so you have to plan for best or worst case scenario didn't you so 
yeah, good, sure. good thing is like wherever we like whenever we're over at camps if we're lucky enough to be involved like we're pretty well looked after there so it's like just if you're not involved you just have to figure out what you're going to do with yeah. yourself for three months but three months off before all of that stuff <laughs> Actually, while, while, while we're on the topic about time and time off Andy, but going back to the spain versus germany thing i will say that playing in the germany you do get more time off yeah okay you, you finish earlier oh yeah, yeah. I, I have heard that was that true even with your guys um 10 week preseason then you still still we're, finished we're, we were so you're a cup this week and then finals for the playoffs are the week after so right. we're still going to finish before yeah spain and we started a month later that's German, yeah like we have german efficiency Euro league. <laughs> we have Euroleague two more games weekend off Papa del Rey. like we still have a month and a bit like yeah yeah it, it is hectic that's um yeah that seems to be a very german thing to just be like right we're starting the season and everything's gonna go like clockwork even like you say with games missed and stuff it doesn't seem to distort the schedule whatsoever um should we hit questions james have we got sure. got okay. stuff to so, go through we have a couple of fun questions here we've got a couple of couple of weird ones maybe okay so ari my teammate and friend has asked who will win champions cup my predictions will be either Landil or Albacete because they're on separate sides. I think that'll be the final. I don't know who's going to win, but I think that'll be my... Who I think is going to be in the final. Landil are going to be out after a game. I don't know what you're <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's real, like any time that I have to talk about a game that I'm involved in on this podcast, I'm either just like full bravado chest puffed out hey, or like... I, I, don't, I don't know what you're like, James, or you, Mark, but I'm I'm always a supporter of the underdog. So I find supporting Landil hey, yeah. in that game. I've wa- I've watched every Gran Canaria game all year. I think they're the team I've been most dedicated to. Uh, I I would love a, a Gran Canaria upset of Landil because that would be a, a monumental moment. Oh, if they do, I'll buy you both uh, yellow t-shirts and blue shorts. Uh, here we go. We got a wedding outfit sorted. That's what I that's what I play in. I'll be in <laughs> yellow t-shirts and blue shorts. Like. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, Jack Perry asked, what's your favourite shade of yellow? <laughs> what, I missed that. Can you say that again, James? What? What is your favourite shade of yellow? I'll do it ASMR. What's my favourite shade of yellow? A burnt yellow. Burnt yellow. Right, that's okay, top, so the, that's this story has been told. from this point onwards. Burnt yellow. This story has been told on the podcast in its previous iteration, but anyone who hasn't heard it, very, very quickly... I must run through this because we've mentioned it several times. So <laughs> we were with GB in the Easter tournament in Belgium, all sitting around in our rooms pre-COVID a couple of years ago, all sitting around in a room chilling. And we were on the ground floor. So you could go out like a sliding door onto just outside. So all sitting around, Tom leaves to get changed. And he comes back in his own clothes because it was sunny. We were sitting outside, whatever. And he's got, was it a yellow t-shirt? And it was yellow, blue t-shirt, yellow shorts. Blue, blue, blue t-shirt, t-shirt, yellow shorts. Yellow shorts. So Tom is wearing a blue t-shirt, yellow shorts. Figures out he doesn't really like the look. Goes away and changes. Comes back in blue and blue. Yep. Blue t-shirt, blue shorts. <laughs> Looks down, kind of realizes he doesn't like it. Leaves. 
comes back, yellow t-shirt, blue shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that funny, but my God, wasn't it the funniest thing in the world at the time? I don't know. Like just two outfit changes to like flip the colors. Yeah, it, it's the hassle of walking backwards and forwards each time. And it, in my head, your wardrobe's like in a cartoon, you know, where like Homer Simpson opens his wardrobe and it's just like white t-shirt, blue trousers, white t-shirt, blue trousers, white t-shirt, blue trousers. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I don't. I don't know why it was so funny, but it was just like the fact that you were like, nah, "I'm not really feeling the yellow and blue," and then you you were feeling the blue and yellow for some reason. Yeah, but, uh, which is funny. You weren't feeling the yellow and blue because it's kind of our running joke among the few of us that every team you've ever played for seems to wear yellow and blue. Even this one. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. Next question, also from Ari. Um, who's your favorite Dutch player? Well, my favorite player has to be Quinton. I like playing with Quinton very much. Oh, well, you actually just straight up chose. I thought this Fair was enough. going to put you in a horrible position. I love that. No, Considering no. you've got two Dutch guys on your team, you were very quick to choose. <laughs> he wasn't quick. He was considered. I like it. Fair enough. Okay. No, nice. Next question. Does Tom think it's, his it's engineering... It's me. You forget that it's me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Does Tom think his engineering background has helped him to think about wheelchair basketball? My, in a my connection way? has been really poor. Can you give me one one second, please? Yeah, no sure. problem. No worries. Sorry, it's just mid podcast, but I can't hear anything you're saying, James. Give me one sec. Oh, we're going to have to. Edit. Edit. Okay, what time is? What, how long in are we? Uh, like fifty something. Just under minutes. an hour. Yeah. Fifty what? Fifty something. I'm not sure what it is. Okay. I'll go or I'll go at it if you want to. Sorry, I just plugged myself into the Ethernet cable so I have better connection. So could you repeat the question, please? No problem. Um, does Tom think his engineering background helps him to think about wheelchair basketball in a certain way? Oh, absolutely. Um, no, yeah, hands down. I mean, especially when it comes to problem solving. I mean, on the court, everyone plays basketball on the court. I mean, and it sounds straight up stupidly to say, but everyone plays <laughs> basketball. But the thing is, there's so much off the court that has to be done for you to play well. Like you can take the best player and look at his chair and go, oh no, just change this a little bit and do this movement instead. And all of a sudden they're like, they've become even better than they ever could have been. Yeah. yeah. You have to see, yeah, you just I like the fact that you're look, I can look at anything and go, how, how can I make it better? It's my first thought. And it's not like against anyone. It's just how my brain's programmed to work. You're, you're an optimizer. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Does that, does that work in terms of technical stuff, not just with like, chairs which are very mechanical obviously but like like i'm thinking like purely like body mechanics like how things yeah. work how pushes work of course especially it, it, uh, momentum momentum is yeah. probably the biggest one i learned it's just how if the more you can keep your chair in the forward momentum and the faster you can do it under control even just by the difference in you pushing from a stop or pushing from a slight roll or pushing from a medium roll how it makes your movement in your chair so much easier. Okay. That's working. You're, you're like in every superhero movie where they are in some perilous situation and it just so happens that Spider-Man and Iron Man all have very advanced mathematic and science degrees that allow them to figure things out on the fly that no human could do. 
I, I do like I don't I haven't watched any of those movies, but I do like if there's any bits where it's like, wow, how did you figure that out? Is that a superhero? Thing? Is that like a superpower? And they're like, no, I'm just really smart. Like, <laughs> I'd be a big fan of that where someone's just doing maths. Like, <laughs> in that one moment, Iron Man's amazing thing is long division. Like, <laughs> Wicked. Okay. Yeah, Good answer, Tom. Thanks very much. That was you're actually that, that, that was great. Okay. How much Cockney rhyming slang can Tom say in one minute? Okay, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna set a timer, Tom. And you've oh, got before, just... before we do this, I mean everyone I know, everyone always thinks I'm from North London, but I'm actually from Essex. Same thing. I'm from the north. I can verify that North London and Essex are the same thing. Tom, have you never heard my theory on English geography? No, I haven't heard your theory on English geography. <laughs> it, it's it's the south coast it's france until it's the south coast until it's london until it's leicester and birmingham until it's sheffield until it's manchester and liverpool until it's newcastle but <laughs> it's it's latitudinal i just like yeah. i i just draw a line somewhere and these things are obviously not parallel <laughs> like, but it's just I, i'm my, my mind for england is the m1 probably <laughs> Yeah, just stopped at Leeds. Then it goes like, oh yeah, it goes like Sheffield and Leeds, which are also close. Um, you got to go a bit out of your way to Manchester and also Liverpool, as if they're right together. And then there's nothing forever, and then Newcastle. Yeah, that is like, true. Driving to New, driving to Newcastle, I thought I'd gone past it for like an hour. <laughs> <Where are we? laughs> okay, Tom, are you ready to just get off as much Cockney rhyming slang as you can? Yeah, I think I've got like three, only got three or four in the locker, but I'll give it my best shot. Okay, I'm going to set a timer, so you better go for a minute. No, I'm joking. Okay, three, two, one, go. Apples and pear stairs, syrup of fig wig. Uh, we've got water and honey money. Got... Oh, what's that use? No, I think I'm out, James. Oh, come on, man. I'm from the north and I know more than this. Yeah. Okay, Mark, take right. over. Do- dog and bone phone. Bag of sand is a grand. I feel like I know more than this as well. Maybe, oh, maybe... Fridge, freezer geezer. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think I'm out. The pressure's got to me. Um, no, I definitely it's lost, do. It's a, it's a lost art, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a lost art because it's really difficult to understand what the hell anyone's saying. <laughs> okay, I'm cutting you off. You guys got six in like 40 seconds. Yeah, we'll take it. That's, that's underwhelming. We'll okay. We'll um, it definitely is from Essex. Okay. How was it growing up with a granny who invented the apple? With <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people, greatness is just thrust upon them and when you when you're like oh what you're part of the apple family we go what computers went no green <laughs> <laughs> what a plot twist totally that would be if there was some relation between granny smith and steve jobs oh yeah, yeah that, grandmother is actually steve jobs. Yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah and everybody got the recognition i was always part of the wrong apple family not the right one unfortunately that sucks. It's funny. Oh, no, sure it's funny that that joke carries on, considering just how many people's surname is Smith. <laughs> that joke must apply to like five percent of the entire English-speaking population. <laughs> yeah, considering, like, I'm sure Granny Smith is probably just a brand name using the most common surname in 
English. Like it, I'm yeah. sure. Like I don't know. Although, like we're talking about not being gazillionaires because you're not related to the the Apple Mac family, but like I'm sure, I'm sure Granny Smith Company's probably doing all right. I'm sure they're probably good. I would agree on that one, James. I would agree. Okay. And yes, uh, actually, Smith is the, well, as you said, it's the it's the most common surname in England. In Great Britain, it's the second most common surname after Jones. Oh yeah, okay. that, that makes sense. Gra- Granny Jones can be your rival Apple Company. That can be the windows to your Mac. <laughs> um, okay. Um, last question. Is it true Tom once danced so much on a night out that he burned a friction hole in his jeans? Did. <laughs> that is a true Tom, that's a true Tom Swift story. That cannot be true. That is, that is what I was there. True. It was me, Tom, and Ben in Barnsley. What? <laughs> yeah. The boys oh, were there. The Barnsley, night. I had so much fun that I burnt a friction hole in the back of my jeans. Just from like, <laughs> was it just from where your like your stump goes into your? Yeah, it's, it's where, yeah, it's where my socket might walk up my prosthetic. Uh, just that's hardened carbon fiber, and it just it was just rubbed against it so much that night that it literally just created a friction burn hole in the back. Brilliant. Good jeans too. If I remember correctly. I think that I was there. For- for like the evening portion of that and then headed home but i think that night was the inspiration behind the um the short sleeve button up shirt portion of your intro because uh, yeah, yeah. Black, I, had, I had black I had black jeans on in my in my uh, blue short sleeve shirt we all, we all got relatively like not dressed up dressed up but like put decent clothes on and james is like tom's gonna be like a real adult and show up dressed in a shirt isn't he <laughs> Uh, couldn't couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah, you live up to our expectations. God, that that was amazing. Cool. Thanks very much, Tom. I th- that's all the questions. So right. I think that all do us, won't yeah, it? I think that's everything, man. This has been a pleasure. It's been great to um, great to hear all about your year and kind of what's coming up for you, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for letting me have be on the podcast again. I've had lots of good fun. Hey, um, no sweat, man. Welcome back anytime. It's growing Thanks, nice. It's going nice and strong. So can keep the good work going. Cheers, I'll see man. you later on this Appreciate week, Tom. Um, anyone who's listening, we have a new Twitter account and a new Instagram account. Uh, they're both at Bench Units. Please follow them. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be real nice. Subtle. Uh, um, yeah. Um, we'll obviously. I'll be putting up podcast there. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll edit out the Wi-Fi issues and we'll get straight to it. Cool. Signed. All right. Thank All right. You, boys. Thanks very much. Peace. Bye bye. You too.